to a, another installment of the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Curley. I appreciate you joining me tonight. Um, as you can hear, I'm in my brand new studio, which is actually my garage behind my house. I have my uh, dogs out here, and as you can hear, the uh, the wind is howling, and uh, the traffic's still rolling, so... Uh, I apologize for the background noise. In the future, I'll try to do better. But um, I had a guest lined up for uh, this episode, but uh, he had some inclement weather and and was traveling back to the place where he was living. Uh, And just, you know, we couldn't make it work. So, um, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll get back to him on a future podcast, have him on the show, but... Um, anyway, this was a week of firsts for me. I, uh, I had my first float pod experience floating and, uh, I had a first salt therapy experience. Um, one, I had high expectations. One, I had no expectations. Uh, floating I've been wanting to do for a really long time. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Joe Rogan's really big into it. Chris Ryan, Duncan Trussell, a lot of these dudes that I listen to. And I just always wanted to try it. I was curious about it. And um, there's a place here in Amarillo, Montage Studio, 1619 Kentucky, uh, here in Amarillo. Um, they have one. Actually, I think they. I think they have. I know for a fact they have two. They possibly have more than that, but I know they have two. And I just decided to give it a go this past Monday. Um, and it was it was a very interesting experience. I was very happy with it. It's a crazy experience. You know, you, you crawl into this little space-looking pod, and you close the hatch, and it's just pitch black and you're floating you're not touching anything and you just lay there for an hour and it was cool Uh, the first thing I really noticed was my breathing I could hear myself breathe I could hear the breath going through every canal in my body all the way into my lungs and I guess it was just the deprivation aspect that caused me to hear it uh, and then I'm, I, you know, you completely lose track of time, and I'm not sure if I fell asleep or if I was awake, but I was having some very vivid dreams that I instantly forgot as soon as I like came back to consciousness. Um, so it was a really cool experience. I think that the Epsom salt as well like helped my body relax after um, running my half marathon last week and. It was a really positive experience, and I'll definitely be back to to float again. Um, I think it's one of those things that the more I do it, it's kind of like meditation. The more you do it, the better you get at it. The first time you do it, you feel completely terrible. Or like every time I meditate, I feel like I am not doing it right. But I think as you uh, do it more and more often, you grow and you develop that muscle and then you can use that muscle a little bit better in the future. The uh, salt therapy was something that took me completely by surprise. 
y'all have all seen them i'm sure this uh it's a kind of a craze these big himalayan rock salt lamps that people are putting in their house and uh i you know i've seen them for a long time at places like uh, earthbound or you know hippie stores and i never quite knew what the deal was but one of the girls i go to church with is she's teaching yoga at um i'll go ahead and plug the name third third coast salts at uh, 7620 hillside here in amarillo they're just opening we went for a like a free demo it was a soft opening uh, me and Shannon both went, and then like a group of people from ch- that I go to church with, because uh, Katie, one of the girls I go to church with, teaches yoga there. She does yoga for uh, little kids. Like I think it's called like a it's like a mommy and me or like a parent uh, yoga class. You do it with your little kid up to four years of old. But I think she said she'd go older as well. But typically it's for like little kids. And you like teach them how to do yoga, and and she teaches the parents how to teach the kids to do yoga. It's pretty cool. Um, check into that if you want to, Katie Blake. Uh, but just look at go to Third Coast Salts. I'm sure that they're on Facebook and everything. But um, anyway, the the room, the salt room that you go into, it's just like a whole wall of these bricks, these like salt bricks on one wall. And they have lights behind them. And then they, like, infuse the air. They have this mister thing that they spray salt, this Himalayan rock salt, into the air. And you're just supposed to sit there. I think it was 45 minutes. But you sit in front of this wall, and the salt fills the air, and you're just supposed to lay there and breathe, right? You know? And I was very... I was pretty skeptical about it. Um... I don't really know why, but I was kind of going into it. It was like, okay, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm the kind of guy that goes when he goes to a chiropractor, he wants to feel the pop, not really have the clicker. You know, the clicker is supposedly like a lot better for you, but I want the pop. I want to feel something. Like I want an instantaneous. Like I want to know that I just did something. So this th- salt therapy was kind of interesting to me, um, but I was open minded. I went in there. And I would say I felt something. You know, they they talk about these negative ions coming off of the the rock, the uh, salt, and that it kind of like that. Typically, humans or just I think mammals, maybe in general, develop like a positive charge throughout the day. I kind of forget. You know, we always think we know we're biological, but we forget that we're electrical beings as well. Like what fires our muscles. And what powers our brain is all electrical currents, you know? So when she, when they said that, it kind of made sense to me. And, and sitting in front of it, I mean, you, I, it was, uh, it was, at first it was subtle, but by the end I felt like, Shan, the way Shannon described it was a pool, like you kind of feel like a pool, toward, you know, not towards the wall, but I don't know, it's it's hard to describe, but it, it was really relaxing, like, uh... One of the other girls that was in there said she usually is, has anxiety problems and that it helped with her anxiety. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. I was, you know, we we probably will be back there uh, in the future. Try it out some more. It was a cool experience. The people there, all the people working it, were really nice and cool. The principal, so like they were telling us the story about how this got developed. 
And they were saying, and this is actually segues into my second um, my monologue. I don't, I don't really know, but they were saying that um, this town over in, I think it was Pakistan, that they were actually mining this salt, and they had this really deep salt mine, right, where they're pulling out all this Himalayan rock salt, and it's this dude's day job. This is just what they do. They go and they go to work in the mines each day, which sounds terrible, but evidently. These people ended up being really healthy. Like uh, sicknesses would come through the town, and they were the only ones that didn't get sick. Uh, they had, you know, better like lung. Uh, like the salt evidently has this like antibacterial and antifungal aspects to it. So they were breathing it in, and it was like preventing their lungs from getting sick, uh, which is interesting. And cool. So they started developing a correlation between the salt and the miners, you know, not getting sick. And uh, one thing's led to another. And now we have these uh, these uh, Himalayan salt rooms that you just go and sit and you you get some of the benefits. It's like uh, I think it would technically be considered a biohack. You know, kind of like uh, drinking. Um, bulletproof coffee, you know, like putting butter in your coffee or, you know, intermittent fasting or all these different things that they say, like, really cause your body to, like, go into optimal operation mode, you know, like, it's, you, uh, you, it's not that you feel good, it's that you feel better than good, you, you're optimized and you're, you're really firing on all cylinders, and that uh, that's actually what gets me into my next monologue is um, what if your work environment could make you strong and healthier? Uh, you know, we we typically like I I've heard many times I've heard a lot of people that say it work's not supposed to be fun. I'm lucky and blessed with the job I have, the fire department, and a great group of guys and just the nature of the job is fun you help people you have downtime to where you can bond with the guys and work out uh the training is always productive and fun like part of part of it being more productive is it being more fun so this concept of of uh, work making you stronger and healthier isn't foreign to me it's something i've grown up in actually being at the fire department but um Russell Brand on the uh, he was recently on the Joe Rogan Experience, and he kept talking or hinting at uh, this concept. What if we could like leverage our lifestyles um, to create to, like to make our lives more productive and have happier lives? Um, could could we leverage the like? Uh, the side effects. So if if we acknowledge that sitting in a chair for eight hours has side effects, is there any way that we can leverage those side effects to make you walk later in life? Like as far as like being mobile later in life, not needing a walker till you're maybe never needing a walker, walking until the day you die, you know? Is Is there ways that we could work in these like uh, these environmental constraints to where it actually benefits you in the long run, uh, makes you a more like power, a power, you know, more optimized human. Um, 
if we know that your environment affects you and we can you know scientifically like these workers in the mines they put two and two together like oh these guys are actually healthier because of the job that they're doing is there any way that we could change our entire society and slope the whole the whole thing to where you know like this guy in vegas that shot up all these people why did he do that was which granted who knows i mean i haven't seen any like can any hard information on that guy or what his problem if he was mentally ill or what he but to call for somebody to do that they are not living their optimal life they're they're saying i don't have anything to lose versus um somebody who's living an optimized life like and i I, by no means am i living an optimal life you know i'm not um i'm not i don't have a whole lot of money and i'm not you know flying i'm not living the rapper lifestyle i'm not popping bottles of crystal and shit but i would do anything not to die not to leave this experience not to leave the people around me and not to leave the you know i mean i'm 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 very happy in my current scenario like i'm i'm very like there's no i i'm blessed i consider myself blessed and i don't want to i don't want to lose it so if somebody is willing to lose their life what does it say about their life what does it say about the decisions they've either made or the decisions that they're making so this is kind of like a paleo paleo modern which i'm borrowing from uh, chris ryan of tangentially speaking Uh, it's one of his terms but you know could we could we actually craft our environment to be beneficial to us like uh he you know chris ryan talks about creating a zoo for humans we are in a zoo can we make it a badass zoo uh actually in in the future one of the guys i'm wanting to have on the podcast uh his name's taylor rydell he uh i'm I'm hoping that I have him on the show pretty soon because uh, it sounds like this is a lot like what he's doing is working with um, – he works with – or in, like inside office spaces, gathering spaces to try to make it to where the, the humans or the people who are in those spaces are actually living like optimized, optimal, you know, environmental – you know uh they have optimal environmental impacts upon their body anyway all of that to segue into my first song of the night which is going to be wolf parade uh that's the name of the band their album was called apologies to the queen 2005 and this track is called modern world Change. 
right, that was Wolf Parade. Uh, I love that song. Listen to that thing on repeat many times. Uh, anyway, and on that uh, previous note, on that whole modern world thing, I have uh, made the switch at work to uh, Vivo Barefoot Shoes. They're boots. Uh, they've got all the same protection, leather boots, uh, but they they're, have no support for the... Uh, for your foot so there's no insole or anything it feels like you're walking barefoot everywhere you go um the thought maybe i can strengthen my feet i feel like we uh we weren't born to wear shoes we weren't born to to stuff them in sh- you know our feet don't need support that's the theory you know so if you don't give your feet the support they'll adapt and then they'll become stronger uh, I will say that the first week, my feet hurt extremely bad from walking around basically barefoot all the time. Um, my feet are pretty weak, you know. So anyway, that, that goes back to the old uh, paleo-modern thing, you know. If y'all are interested at all, y'all should check out that brand, Vivo. They uh, they got some badass shoes, and they, you know, I, I've heard, of, like, most if you look at them, you can tell that they're not like typical shoes, but they uh, blend in pretty well. So if you're in like a work environment or if you have something like that that you're worried about, uh, check those shoes out. Anyway, to my next segment, I guess. Maybe I'm going to call these things segments whenever I do these rambles. Um, like I said, I was supposed to have a guest on today, and uh, I think that y'all probably would have enjoyed the guests far more than y'all are going to enjoy me, but this is what you're stuck with. I host the show. So anyway, I uh, I think everybody needs to look into this guy, Peter Rollins. Um, I'm actually going to create a Facebook page, the Panhandle Primate Podcast Facebook page, and I'm going to put a lot. I'm going to start dumping links, and I would encourage y'all, if you find a cool video or interesting podcast or something funny who who knows i don't give a shit but just throw it over onto that page and then hopefully anybody who listens to this podcast can so if i make a reference to something in in one of these i'm going to try to put a link on that on my uh page so you can check it out but this peter rollins he has a a couple he has a three uh part series on the the rob bell podcast i think it's called the the Robcast, I think is what he calls it, but um, it's a series on love. And then the most recent Liturgist podcast, it's called uh, Enemies. It was live in L.A. Uh, that was, he was also, he had like a little segment on that. And after I heard him and listened to him for a minute, I started looking him up on YouTube, and there's a couple of interesting, like he has a debate with, uh, uh, oh, what, what's that guy, Lawrence Krauss the uh like stand on top of the roof uh, atheist uh he has um a debate with that guy which is kind of a little frustrating because kraus doesn't take it serious in any way he like writes it off which i think is the opposite of what a scientist should actually do like a scientist should say okay is there a possibility that god exists I mean, possibly. I mean, if you look at anthrop- if you anthropologically look at it, all across, all around the world, every 
society has had this concept of the other, uh, whether they call it a god or uh, mother nature or some sort of transcendental spirit that they feel like they interact with. A lot of them have these different interactions, but most of them agree that the easiest way to define it is, is, is say, love. Um, which I think is interesting. I, um, I think uh, C.S. Lewis makes this point in Mere Christianity, but I'm not sure. But uh, the, the fact that humans um, that humans have morality, that humans have love, essentially. L- uh, love doesn't make sense logically. Um, for, for instance, for me to say, I would die for somebody that I love. That doesn't make sense to a reductionist like scientist. They would say, okay, well, if you die for somebody you love, you're gone and your story ends. But love says that my story continues through on in the people that I, that I care about. So it's, not necessarily a logical decision to love. It's a supernatural, really. It's it's a supernatural decision, as is greed and all these different things. They're a next level. Uh, they're they're not natural. They're supernatural. They're uniquely human. It's part of the the human condition uniquely. Um, but anyway, Peter Rollins talks a little bit to this and. Um, I got a little bit of a digression there on the debate between Peter Rollins and, and Lawrence Krauss. But anyway, I'll, I'll put a link up on that uh, my page. But anyway, I think it's really interesting because what Peter Rollins was talking about is the same thing that we were talking about uh, Sunday morning in the class I go to. Uh, essentially, it's that talk is cheap. You know, you can say something, but unless you back it up with how you live, you don't actually mean it. For instance, I can say, man, I love running, but I never run. So do I actually love running? I could say, I love being outside. I love the outdoors, but I never go camping. Do I really love being outdoors? Um, And so the same thing. I can say, well, no, I I love my neighbor or I love my enemy or uh, these all these high-minded things that come out through you know Christianity and a lot of the great religions of the world they say you know care about the other not yourself like be selfless care about the other um essentially and this is uh you know Jesus hits a lot on this whenever he says like you you know you uh you're judged by your fruit you know uh it's essentially as Snoop Dogg said talk is cheap you know you uh you can say so. For instance, if I say that I uh, that I believe in God, but I do not love existence, I don't take any joy in my existence. I don't stop and smell the roses. I don't tell my wife I love her. I don't. I don't give. Um, not necessarily just monetarily, but you know, you know the guy. Uh, the, I guarantee you, there's a guy or a girl or person in your life that when you see them I'm I'm probably this person in a lot of people's lives they see uh, the person walking up and they and you think oh damn he's about to come talk to me and I it's gonna be a total time suck and 
I don't want to do this, but you do it. You have so, you know, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you shouldn't. But you know, you you do it, and you say, and that that is coming out of a place of love. You know, whenever you make those like little sacrifices, it doesn't have to be monetarily giving. You can just give somebody attention. I mean, attention's really what Americans th- like are craving so much. That's why Facebook is such a thing. That's why. Uh, people get so riled up about things is they want attention. Is somebody paying attention to me, my needs, you know? Um, anyway, I really think that you should uh, check into that dude, Peter Rollins. Um, so, yeah, that was, me. that was me turning a page right there. But um, to, go, to go back on the, uh, the atheist bent, the atheist rant, because, you know, what... So a lot of the podcasts I listen to, the Sam Harris podcast, this Lawrence Krauss, he's been on a lot of different podcasts that I listen to. And there's just all these different people that are just stand on top of the Hill atheist. And and to them, um, you know, I look at guys like Graham Hancock or, or uh, Rupert Sheldrake or there's like a number of different guys that – yeah it's the supernatural to us might not actually be supernatural it might just be something that we are unable to observe or interact with um so i don't know man the the eight the altruistic nature of human beings uh that's that's what hope is built on you know the the belief that within each person there is this like potential to be a christ uh, or the inner Buddha, or you know, I mean, you can each religion. I'm sure I'm not super well versed on all my different religions, but there's this they they preach to an inner being that you need to bring out. It's a transcendental truth. It's a on the contrary type truth. Um, hey, I believe it's this way. On the contrary, it's this way. You know, and this happens to me all the time. Like uh, for instance. Uh, hazmat. I was in hazmat class, and this is one that uh, I've been to, like some radiation classes and different stuff. And that's one of the things that they always say: just because it's not currently burning you, doesn't mean that it's not killing you. Like radiation sources, they're very small and they can be very indiscreet, but they can really wreak havoc on your body. Even though you don't see the rays, you don't feel the heat, you can't perceive the danger until you're already engulfed in the danger you know it's uh oh my dog's pushing in hey honey um so it's it's in that nature it's the it's the things that are outside of our will our wheelhouse like outside of our scope of comprehension that are unbelievable it's the miraculous it's the other it's uh it's why extreme sports are entertaining you know it's because you're you're waiting to see the thing that you didn't think was possible i did not think that this guy could do this or that and it it had happened how how can that be how can it happen you know that's what we thrive on is this novelty you know uh, Terrence McKenna always refers to it and says that we're inside, like that this universe is a novelty machine. That that the whole point of this is to produce this unexpected, 
uh, transcendental. Uh, you could call it an accident, or you could call it like a uh, crystallization or something. You know, it's it's something that's never happened before, but once it happens, like uh, the first backflip on a dirt bike, the first I think it was Travis Pastrana. I don't know who did it, but. but the first guy does it, and then now you can't watch one of those motocross things without seeing all of them doing it. They're just all throwing these backflips, no problem. It's uh, desensitizing, you know, oh, desensitizing to it. Anyway, hey, I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to throw on another uh, quick track. This one is uh, by a band, My Morning Jacket. Uh, it's off their album it still moves this is the track one big holiday
This is going to be a pretty short episode this week. The main, I'm really just working, trying to work on my consistency and making sure that I'm putting stuff out continuously. Um, I'm in a creative writing class at the moment, so that's, I haven't been doing any blog posts. I'm hoping to start doing some blog posts in the near future, some more blog posts, but this has kind of been eating up all my time. Uh, I'm not a college guy. I uh, went to the fire academy right out of high school, so I never really learned how to sit in a or through a college class, even if it's online. So it's uh, eating up more time than I had anticipated. But I'm also trying to learn something, so we'll see. Maybe I can actually get better at writing. Who knows? But... um Let's see. Oh, this past week. So, if anybody is doubting if there is any potential for humanity left, go drink some beers and ride bikes. Uh, P3 was this past weekend, and it was a blast. It was a really good time. Uh, talked to a... Did I? I don't know if I talked... To, I don't think I talked about it. And, no, I didn't. It was the day before. So... I ran my race on Saturday, and then Sunday was P3, which is it's Pints, Pedals, and Pubs. Uh, 575 puts it on each year. They they raise money to uh, – actually, I don't know what the – I think it's going to 24 Hours in the Canyon now. I'm not sure what it's going to. It used to go to buying uh, disabled kids' bikes, uh, some trikes and stuff, It was uh, which is really cool. They gave out a lot of bikes, but I don't know. They might have changed. They might still be doing that. Who knows? Uh, it's a great deal, though. It's a whole lot of fun. A lot of people come out and show up for it. And it is a, every year, it is a genuinely fun time. I mean, you see, you see all walks of life there, and everybody is interesting. Everybody is fun to talk to. Everybody's in a good mood, laughing and having a good time. A lot of dancing going on. It's a great time. And, uh, even in Amarillo, Texas, which, you know, everybody my age thinks that Amarillo sucks. I've heard a lot of people say that Amarillo is the armpit of the blah, blah, blah world or whatever. It is wrong, man. This place is every place, every place has great aspects to it. Um, you know, it's if if you're if you don't if you can't see the beauty in where you live, you need to do a lot of introspection. Because there's probably something wrong with you, you know. There's, there's, uh, I and I've I've been in the same place. I've been to where I have hated this place and everything, and a, a large portion of it was myself. I was bored with myself. I wasn't pushing myself. I wasn't challenging myself. I was allowing. I was blaming the town for being boring. When in reality, I was the boring one. I was the boring one in the relationship. Um, so, anyway, get out, man. Meet people. Talk to people. Have conversations. Drink some beers. If you're not into drinking beers, drink some coffee, you know. Throw a Frisbee. I don't know. Just get out. Have socialize with people. That's what living is about. Uh, it's getting out of your own head, you know, getting out of your own echo chamber, uh, being around people who say stuff that you don't agree with, that you can then talk to them and say, is the problem with my thinking 
or is the problem with your thinking? And, and are you missing something or am I missing something? And almost all the time, both parties are missing something. If you have a two, if you have a communism, a communist and a capitalist arguing, neither of them have it right because it's that's all idealistic and and ideals do not exist whenever you start dealing with um, gooey flesh bodies that think mostly with emotion and are hormonal and you know dependent upon chemical reactions happening i mean it's that we are a chemistry experiment every day and we don't view ourselves like that you know we don't watch the stuff that we eat we don't make sure that we exercise make sure that we stretch enough make sure that we haven't sat too much make sure we're drinking enough water i mean it if you ever like watch a chemist in a lab and they're, they've got all their beakers and they've got all their different measurements and they're weighing shit out and stuff goes wrong with being that precise. Then you look at a human and they're just like, oh, I'm hungry. Grab something. Eat. Oh, I'm thirsty. Grab something. Drink it. You know, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to. It's, it's impulsive. You know, we largely live our lives out of impulse. Um, and to expect the, uh, the uh, science experiment to be going correct when you're not paying attention to it at all, it's just is baffling, 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 baffling. You know, you, you've you got to put time and effort into making sure that the, uh, it's one of the things, I, I don't know if I've said this on here, or I don't even know where I heard it. I might have heard this somewhere. I'm probably not even the first person that says it. But if you have an explosion that happens at the finish line of a Boston marathon, it's a tragedy. If you have an explosion that happens in a rocket, it takes a man to space. You know, it's all in the context. It's where the explosion happens and what the intent of the explosion is that makes it either beautiful or tragic. So control the explosions in your own life, you know. Make sure that they're propelling you in the right direction, not the wrong direction. We all have tragedies. We all have Oh, Lord knows I have shortcomings, you know. I mean, you've you've heard 43 minutes of my shortcomings so far. Um, but, hey, if you're, if you're still listening, thank you for listening. Um, listening is the support. Listening is, is, is what I do this for. Luna's barking. She's ready to go inside. I'm going to play you out with one last song. This uh, last week, Tom Petty died. Um, Tom Tom Petty was one of the CDs that my dad... It was the, the Full Moon. I think it was... I don't know if it was Full Moon Rising or just Full Moon. I don't remember the title of the CD. But whenever I was a little kid, I mean, talking elementary school, pre-elementary school, my parents had this album, and... Uh, oh wait, I got it written down right here. Full Moon Fever was the name of the album. It came out in 1989. I was born in 1988. My parents were playing this probably since I could like consume noise into my ear and know what it was, know that it was music. But Tom Petty died this past week. It's a, uh, you know, he he was a great musician. Brought a lot of joy into people's lives, and shows that one man 
just by doing what he does, doing what he loves, can make a difference in this world. So, anyway, I'm going to play you out with uh, Tom Petty off of his 1989 Full Moon Fever album, You're So Bad. Take it easy, people. One, two, three, four. My sister got lucky, married a yuppie, took him for all he was worth. Now she's a swinger, dating a singer. I can't decide which is worse, but not me. Yeah.